Welcome to the Lighthouse Experiment, a Freedom Center Church podcast. Welcome back to the Lighthouse Experiment Podcast, your host, Chaplain Jim Parkin. And today we are joined with or by the Overwatch Collective Podcast. Introduce yourself, dude, and we'll get it going. What's going on, everybody? My name is Greg. I'm the uh, vice president of the Overwatch Collective, which is a uh, 501c3 nonprofit and a podcast. I'm excited to be here, Jim. Thank you so much. I'm glad we uh, finally were able to make this work. I know our schedules are hectic which we'll talk right. about here in a minute but no i'm happy yeah. to be. thank you absolutely it's it's always interesting man we've had a couple people on who just are just friends that live on the west coast and uh, you know i've had a couple guys on that'll be like yep um well we can we can do this but you know we're three hours back and i'm like i don't even care i've done an, i did an episode with a dude where it was like midnight my time because it was is the best he could do. I was like, yeah, send it. So this is the first time that it's actually, well, so it's noon here. So I've had, you know, the, the whole morning and whatever, get ready. And like I said, went and skated a little bit. Yeah. You're just starting I, out uh, your day. Yeah. I, I rolled right out of bed like 30 minutes ago. It's nine o'clock in the morning here and uh, do this and then get ready for work here in a little bit. Right on. Yeah. So what, like, at what point, because we kind of, both of our organizations are doing the same thing or have the same goal. So for you guys, what I wanted to know was at what point were you guys like, damn, like this is kind of the, the, the thought I always have is the, the idea of like, no one's coming. Like we're on our own here. We're going to have to do this ourselves. When I, I mean that by speak about the first responder community, you know, so for you guys, when was it like, man, we got to, we got to do something. Yeah, it was, uh, so originally, I mean, Jesse, Jesse and I just started a podcast one day we were, uh, cause we were both in the coast guard at the same unit together. Now he's in Florida. Um, but he said one day, he's like, Hey, let's just start a podcast and talk about what life's like being in the military and the challenges behind it. And then me being a police officer, I'm like, Hey, let's incorporate all first responders. And then let's talk about like families and spouses because they take a huge toll on, their family oh, yeah. responder veteran. Um, and then we started talking about mental health, post-traumatic stress, um, suicide awareness. And then people started coming on the podcast and then we started randomly receiving donations and we were like, all right, like, what are we going to do with this money? And then I forget exactly how it kind of came up, but we were like, Hey, let's like financially assist people to go to therapy. So um, after a lot of revisions on the 501c3 application, cause we're not that bright of people and spell check apparently didn't work. Um, <laughs> we got the 501c3 approved. And then from there on, we basically set up scholarships. So now we've, uh, now we've paid for 88 therapy sessions as of yesterday. That's awesome. So it's pretty cool. And that's veterans, first responders, families, spouses, the whole deal. Yeah. 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 So the, the whole audience, so we have, uh, we have a couple of therapists that we kind of contract with. We're adding one more, uh, who does like neurological work with the brain. Uh, we're adding him. 
this week. And then the goal is to just keep getting therapists on and um, from different states within the United States. And anybody that reaches out for help, we can get them the help that they need and then pay for them to go. So that's amazing. The goal. Yeah, that's cool. And so for us, it was the same. There's a dude that the guy I started this with is no longer involved, just kind of moved in a different direction, but it was the same thing. You know, we had, uh, for whatever reason, I just kind of how it has it always been. I seem to always respond to suicides, you know, and you know, if I'm responding to it, it's, it's on the wrong side of it. Right. So after just seeing a lot of that in the community and then starting to hear about, you know, obviously with veteran suicide and then witness, not witnessing literally, but then having people within our own community taking their own lives and like in our local EMS system and first responder community, we were both, it was the same thing. It was enough's enough, you know, we come from a, it's more of a faith-based deal, what we're doing, you know, cause I do, I'm chaplain for our local fire department and do that stuff. So as it stands right now, we kind of blanket under uh, a local church's 501c3, kind of under their banner. But I would say probably in the next couple of years, we'll kind of graduate out on our own and do our own thing. So is that a difficult process? Like, like yeah. you said, I'm not, a, I'm no genius. So yeah, we're, yeah, we're not either. We, we were both in the Marine Corps before and everybody knows all the jokes about Marines eating crayons and everything. So, uh, yeah, uh, when we first started the 501c3, we kind of split up like the tasks that kind of needed to be done and then we split them in half. So Jesse took half and I took half and I don't know why. And I kicked myself for this and now it's obviously a joke, but um, I took on the 501 C three, which I didn't think it was going to be that much work, but, uh, we went through legal zoom and, um, they send you all the paperwork. You got to send it back and it has to be like, okay, what's your mission state statement going to be in 250 characters or less with minimal spaces. Everything has to be spelled correctly. And then you really have to stay on top of everything. And it was, it was really tough being a, a full-time police officer in the military as well. And so I think if you have the time dedicated um, and then like you go through legal zoom and we paid an extra fee to have it expedited um, I've heard of people getting it like fairly quickly. So. Right on. Yeah. So uh, you've been, you said you're in the coast guard now. Yeah. So we, we actually both kind of have somewhat of the same story, um, with our military experience. So, um, Jesse was active duty in the military. Uh, he joined the Marine Corps as an infantry mortarman where he was active duty for four years. And then I did reserves for almost eight years. Um, and I was an infantry rifleman. And then we both, did a deployment overseas at different times, but we were in the same area, which is kind of convenient. Um, and then we both got out of the Marine Corps and then uh, joined the Coast Guard out of uh, San Francisco, the Coast Guard Reserves. And then that's where we met for the first time. Okay. All right. And he is now he does law enforcement as well or no? He does not. No. Um, so I'm the, I'm the law enforcement officer of, of talk, I guess you could say. So, um, that's kind of the nice thing about us is that 
like our entire board of directors is related to first responders, veterans, spouses, or significant others is I'm a police officer, military, Jesse's military. Our secretary's dating a first responder. Um, our board officers married to a first responder who was in the military and then has two first responder sons. And then our treasurer's uh, son is in the military. So we get the audience. We know what everybody goes through. Um, yeah. So I think that's a, that's a huge pl- uh, plus and a perk. So, Right. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of like our story is we do. So we do like uh, with my team, if you will, everybody, like one dude's a paramedic firefighter. My, my partner that I'm on the, on the rig with four days a week, you know, obviously he's an EMT getting ready to be a paramedic. Um, I'm the only veteran, but then we have our spouses, which is, you know, uh, the one dude, the firefighter spouse, she was the EMT. Now she's a nurse. So everybody is the kind of the same thing. Everybody's kind of gets it where we struggle is that we are connected to church and sometimes it with all the well-meaning, you know, all the best intentions, people don't fully get what it really looks like, you know, and to, so for me personally, that made COVID super hard Mm -hmm. because people had, they had their beliefs and opinions of what was going on. And I was, you know, as you probably remember at work and I'm seeing something totally different than what social media is saying. And I'm like, like, I can tell you, it literally got to the point where I thought I was going insane. I'm like, where I'm like, am I seeing this from something? Like, I swear that dude in the ambulance today really, really quit breathing. And these people are telling me that this is not the case. So that's, that's where it's for us. That's where the, the little nuances can sometimes be a struggle. Not usually, but sometimes it's just because people don't fully, aren't fully aware. So that's been with our podcast. The struggle has been to, to gain audience and gain traction and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is like a hundred episode 166, I think. Yeah. And I, I think it's huge to have like your team now. And obviously when you get your 501c3, you'll have to call it your board of directors. Um, right. Like assignments. But I think it's huge to have the team, the board of directors within the industry that knows what we deal with, that knows what our spouses and significant others deal with while we're at work the shit that we see, what we see outside of social media. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, it's like our own little click. So mm-hmm. like people within the click can reach out to us or you guys or other nonprofits or people that are doing similar things that know what they're going through. So I think right. for our community, I've seen a huge increase in, in kind of people speaking up and saying like, Hey, I'm like, it's one thing to to get the uh, the courage to reach out for help, to go through the employment assistance program at your local fire department, police department, whatever the case may be. And then you get five to seven therapy sessions and you go to your local Kaiser or whatever hospital it may be. Mm-hmm. 
imagine being a, a firefighter EMT police officer and going and speaking to some lady that has no idea what our community deals with kind of just what they see on TV. And then it's like, you finally get to the point where you can share your story and be like, look, these are the calls that have kind of affected me. Um, and I'm ready to speak about them. Then you go to speak about them. And the therapist is like, what? What? Like, that's what you guys see. And then it's like, okay, I took a leap of faith, tried to get some help. And then she just validated that I'm actually messed up. And now I'm not talking again. So, uh, I, I think it's great what you guys are doing and it's kind of the same as us. And I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. You know, it's, was, was interesting too. Cause like I've been, I'm in my 19th year, right. I'm about to turn 53 and still like full-time medic. But with that, with that much time, I remember when there was, this was not a thing. No one talked about it. Like, it's crazy to be old enough to remember when we didn't even have any idea how many veterans were committing suicide because it wasn't a topic. But with that, I can tell you that I've gone to the critical stress, you know, counselor or whatever at the local hospital and knew going in what to say to get myself back on the truck. Yeah. And, and that's, that's not helping you up here. No, not, not at all. Back to the job. Right. I was like, yeah, whatever. I didn't even, you know, it wasn't a thing we knew to talk about. So that's been a huge learning curve. And then what's interesting too, is like people see me and they're like, oh, well, like you guys have discussed it on other episodes. We're like, I, I don't know if I should say anything. Cause I got like six months, you know, I don't want to ask him for help because he's got like two decades and I feel like an idiot saying anything, you know, which they shouldn't, they, you know, yeah. absolutely shouldn't, you know. Yeah, and that's, that's the struggle that we see. Um, and I, I think, you know, Scott Howell from Ironsides podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, great podcast, super supportive of what we're doing. And we did a, uh, a suicide awareness episode and the topic of comparing your like comparing your trauma to others is a huge huge factor because so like i i've been a police officer for eight years and you've been on for 19 years imagine like you've been on twice as long as me more than twice as long as me and in my head like if i didn't know anything about mental health or i were struggling i'd be like oh my god he's been on twice as long as me he's probably seen way more like I'm good. I don't want to look weak because I'm sure he's already experienced this like times five. So. Yeah. And that's problem. Yeah. So like recently man, I had a, I had a brand new EMT with me, like brand, brand new couple weeks, like on her own. My partner was on vacation and we're at a local hospital and I'm, you know, kind of our, our MOs to get to patient care turned over, checked in and I'll start knocking out, the report. And so she's getting the rig reset. I'm knocking out the report. And this doc, this resident, I didn't know at the time he was a resident, but this doc comes running out of the parking lot. I was like, my buddy needs help out here. Like hurry up. And if I'm honest and a dude with my tenure, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm really not going to insert us in this. You can just call 911. But then I'm like, okay, but I got this new kid and the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So she jumps in, we got there. And this dude's buddy, also a resident, and 
has attempted suicide by using a scalpel to cut his brachial artery, which he did like a stellar job. It was about a six inch laceration. He had bled so much by the time I got to him that he was shunting, which is just that that artery is not pumping blood. Everything's going to his core. So we load him up and go like the 300 yards back to the ER. And I was able to get a bunch of stuff done, get him in, get care turned over. But then, so kind of how it works for our agency is in my supervisor or one of them comes directly to wherever we are. We're instantly out of service. We start, I'm trying to figure out how, cause I was on a call, how to shut that one down and open a new one. So I can do all this stuff. Other crews come, they're helping my partner. They're talking to her, helping her clean our rig. I mean, they don't have to, they just, they just, that's our kind of our culture. But then I have all these people that I have way more time on than them. And they're like, are you good? And I was like, nope. So what was interesting is it was like the look in their eye was like, uh-oh. It was fully like you just said, this dude's seen everything. He's already been through all this. And now what are we supposed to do with this guy who we go to is like openly saying, I'm not good with this. This isn't good. So what was cool is what it ended up doing is creating kind of this culture where everyone's like, Oh, this is, it's okay. It's safe for us to say, this is, I'm not good with what I just saw. So, you know, long story short, I had a couple of days off and, you know, worked it out. I have people I go talk to anyway. We're trying to like teach the young ones coming up. That's cool. It's smart. It's mental fitness. Like if you, hurt you know you pull a muscle or hurt your leg or hurt whatever hurt your back that's something that happens in ems you take time off and heal it up so it should be the same for our mental health so well, I, I i've never heard of it that way like mental fitness I, I i i love it absolutely love it and it's like hearing the different ways of describing it or explaining it to someone might just resonate with one person that's like hey it is okay And then Mm -hmm. for you to actually say like, no, I'm not okay. And for them to be like, like (laughs) kind of like taken back by it. Like that just shows in my opinion, like the leadership role by you and by the senior medics and the senior personnel, whether it's the fire department, police department, whatever is kind of putting themselves out there. And that makes the juniors be like, Oh, wow. Jim openly said, no, I'm not okay. I'm going to take a couple of days off. Um, because how, how would it look if you didn't? You were like, nope, I'm good, and then they could automatically tell. They're like, okay, that's how I have to be, right? So, I mean, good on you. Respect. I I like it. So, did for that? Did you do a, a critical incident debrief for that call, or did you just get a couple days off and then you were back in service? Um, we did. We did. Uh, anything we like a. Uh, Typically, like it'd be like a pediatric cardiac arrest or a, like a major traumatic incident or whatever. They just kind of a unwritten, unspoken protocol in place. It's kind of self-rescue, if you will. And like, so our, our supervisors, we just take the time because our senior management, like the from like the president and vice president level of my agency is, it's always our mental health. Our health in general is more important than the next call. So it's, it's just a thing. It's nothing official. 
you know, we just kind of talked it out, talked about what we saw, talked about what happened. I gave this young EMT high praise because she jumped in and then got involved in this case. And there's all these doctors who they're not used to a traumatic emergency of this magnitude. And they're seeing their buddy and they're yelling things for her to do that. It just is not real that we don't do. And so what she was able to do is go, dude, I, I need you to step in here. I'm out. I'm over my head and, and tapped out. So that was impressive from someone just starting out. But then we talk it out with our management and then basically what it goes down to is our operations manager decides whether we're good or whether he'd, he'd like to see us take some time off. And then I just, I have, I have like a old veteran dude counselor that I go to anyway, you know, once a week or as needed. Oh. So, so I just went and talked it out with that guy. Good. And then good. I also write everything down. It's weird, but I journal everything. So. I've heard heard of people saying that before. And that's, so some of the therapists that we've had on and have, have talked to, that's one of their tips is like at the end of the day or something to be able to write it down because you're reliving it, which is like when you do EMDR, you're kind of reprocessing Mm -hmm. trauma, but then you're, you're revisiting it. You're writing it down. You're seeing it. And it helps you reprocess that into the good part of your brain where you're okay with reliving it. So I, I like that. I've never done it before. Um, but I'm glad that that works for you. Um, and then, so I, I have a question with debrief. So it's, it's been a topic that we've discussed a lot and, um, I know my department doesn't really do them too much. I don't know how you guys do them. And then we just had uh, one of our um, our followers in our community uh, go to a five-year-old who was deceased. Mm. Uh, and it was a pretty traumatic call. Uh, not as much as like seeing the, the child and doing the CPR, but it was the response to that call for service. Uh, because she arrived first, but was locked out of the apartment complex and didn't have the master key and no one was coming in and out of the door. And then PD got on scene and same thing locked out. And then they had to wait for fire to get on scene who had the master key. So while they were sitting outside, getting updates from the reporting party, the mom saying, Oh my God, she's not breathing. I'm doing CPR they were talking on the radio, like, okay, we have to get another way in. Um, and then they finally waited for fire to get there, go inside, take over CPR. And then unfortunately the five-year-old was deceased, but, um, they did a debrief right after with everybody, but for her, she wasn't ready to talk about it, but she was ready to talk about it like two to three days after but they weren't doing a debrief 72 hours after. So just like the debrief literally right after the call for service when they cleared. And then that was it. So I'm curious, have number one, like, have you guys talked about on your podcast? What do you guys do in Michigan? Like do you debrief the call right away? And then do you also do a debrief 72 hours or so? I'm just curious how that works throughout our country, I guess. Um, 
Well, like it's just so kind of to set it up. So all the ambulance companies in our area are private or like nonprofit or some a couple for profit, but everything's a private agency. Genesee County and like the Flint area is wild because we have, I think, five different private companies right now. So there's everyone. It's, it's literally like the seventies, man. Everyone's kind of angling for positions and calls. So I can't speak for all of the agencies. I know that we do pretty much immediately. And then the supervisors are good about following up. Got it. And if so, if, if like, if you took that case and it was myself and my partner and, and I wasn't ready to talk about it, you know, typically we wouldn't do anything with the other agencies. So if police and fire, unless it's something massive, it doesn't, everybody's doing their own thing. But with our current ops manager, I've known him a long time. I just think that I would not be admitted, you know, I wouldn't, he would just take me off shift until I was ready to talk about it. So, yeah, but it, it's very different. It's not, you know, we work, we're all working together, obviously all of the disciplines of the first responder community, but at the same time, separately. Um, it, so for us in particular, it's just, and that's just our County, all of the counties in Michigan are, everything's different in every kind of municipality. So it's, you know, and it's, it's, just, it's wild. It is the wild West. <laughs> I, I, I know. And I, I know we talked about it before we started recording, but like that, that show Flint town from, from Netflix, I was like, comparing it to where I work and where I work, it's a pretty busy city within the County. And, and then I'm watching that. I'm like, Holy hell. Like this is, this is a whole new, like whole new. Ball game. <laughs> yeah. And so now they have, I think they have more staffing, you know, within the PD yeah. um, fire is still always at minimum staffing, but the, their problem is their equipment. So I see my fire friends and man, they, they have pumps, you know, that they're constantly have to go, you know, put water in cause they're leaking and stuff like that. And then, like I said, we're all, there's a bunch of different EMS agencies in our County. The sheriff's department has a paramedic division. Cause like, so back in the day, like the seventies, eighties, early nineties, the transporting agencies were all BLS. So none of them had paramedics on the rigs. So the paramedics rolled around when they started back in these old like Chevy station wagons, but now they're like running in Tahoe's and they have like the Lucas device and they carry drug box and all the stuff. So they'll respond with us. Or if it's like a, a basic or a BLS crew, they'll respond with them and they'll take care of the patient. They'll do the ALS care. So that's also a little nuance that we have. You know, they, they do police work as well, which is cool. Hmm. You know, they can switch hats on a dime. If we're on a scene that patient becomes combative or whatever the case, they can, they can be law enforcement. So it's, it's pretty cool, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting. 
And if you follow social media and Jenny C County Sheriff, so you might've heard of our sheriff. He did, he was the, the walk with us, you know, thing was going down right after George Floyd, they were going to have a protest in our Flint township. And, uh, the scene was becoming like, it could have, it could have blown up. And so the sheriff, he was the interim sheriff at the time. He literally takes his Kevlar off, takes his like plate holder off. And it's like, listen, what do you want from us? And the crowd was like, Oh, okay. And this lady just said, we want you to walk with us. And he's like, okay, let's go. And it just, just flipped everything. Well, hmm. his, his campaign, cause he's, I think headed for governor, but his campaign has been based off that, which is cool, but you know, whatever. We all kind of have our <laughs> opinions. Yeah. No, I, I've been <laughs> working protests and it was the whole, Oh, we just want cops to kneel and take a knee and some cops would kneel and take a knee. And we're just like, yeah, that's the, that was, that's, that's the politics side of things. Yeah, man. I talked about this on one of our shows recently is that, so we would do this thing during all the COVID stuff where we'd show up super early at the hospital with all the cops, fire EMS and we put the lights on stand there and like make a little kind of tunnel if you will and applaud as the hospital staff came in and out (laughs) and it it was all cheesy and all that stuff and then like I really really started having hard feelings when after the George Floyd thing came up this same hospital the entire staff came out on their lawn and took a knee and I was like oh <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like I see, I see, I see what you're saying. And then it became pretty sketchy between road crews and ER nurses for a minute. Oh, really? It always kind of is. There's always there's this underlying tension between those two disciplines forever. The the argument of whose license is a higher license and all that stuff, which I really don't even, there's yeah. no possible way for me to care less. It's two yeah, different jobs. Just help people. <laughs> like, yeah. Stay in your line and help people. Right. But yeah, those times, man, I think were the most tense. That was probably the worst. And I've seen some stuff, but that couple years, especially the March to like June or July of 2020 was, and I looked at it like deployment. It was like being on deployment. Like every day was Monday all kinds of extra stupid temperature taking and going into places. And like me, my partner and our patient somehow all had a a temperature of 97.1. I'm like, man, this is the dumbest, literally the dumbest thing ever. Yeah. We we had to do the same thing in my department. It was the, uh, the walk-in you stand in front of the thing and it scans you. And then you have to answer questions on your phone and it would say, um, What's your temperature? Have you been in contact with anyone within 14 days that tested positive? Um, if so, you have to go home sick. And then we're all like, we've all been in contact. And then they're like, nope, you have to just say no. And we're like, what the hell? What? The- <laughs> yeah. So it's like, literally just like we'd sit there and be like, how much longer do we have to do this as we're lying on the thing? Yeah. We still have to take that quiz. It's still part of our because we do the way our system set up, we punch in on our phone. We do all our charting on our phone. Everything is set up, but every single day, every day, every shift, 
But early on, man, I thought like I had created the end of the world for like a local nursing home. So I go in there and the dude's like, have you guys been exposed to COVID? And I'm like, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it was like, stop the presses. You can't come in. I'm like, I don't know. It's wild. So yeah. like, um, I wanted to touch on this because we've been thinking about doing, you guys do uh, your buddy program, right? We do, yeah. And uh, so, like, what is involved with that? How do you get people involved? Who, like, uh, do you vet them any certain type of way? Or the- Honestly, it's a pretty easy thing. I forget how we kind of, well, the way that we came up with it was um, one of our episodes, and that's kind of the story where I, I touched on where he went to uh, the local hospital to, <clears throat> excuse me, to finally talk about his, it was post-traumatic stress. And then the lady was like, what, like, is this what you guys actually see? And then he went like downhill quick. Um, so it was one of our podcasts and he was like, if I, if I had the opportunity to talk to a fellow paramedic that understood what I was going through and kind of understands my job, it may have been a whole different story. And we were like, okay, like we need to get someone that's in the military, a spouse of a service member, first responder. We need a police mm-hmm. officer, firefighter. And let's create like a little group where people can go on the website, see a photo of them, get their email address and read their bio. And then they don't even have to tell us their, their place of employment. They can literally just reach out to the person and then they could be like, Hey, this is kind of what I'm going through. I saw your bio. Uh, I understand that you've been a, a paramedic for 19 years. I'm sure you've been through X, Y, Z. I'm struggling with X. Like, have you been through this? Do you have any advice for me? Or is there anything that you would recommend? And that's kind of our first step before we connect someone to a therapist and then pay for them to go to therapy. Okay. Um, so it's, um, it's cool because people can literally just go to the website. And then I think as of now we have 19 buddies, um, and they, they range from just a supporter of the community. They range from a service member who's been deployed. Uh, there's a couple on there. Uh, so it's a firefighter and then his wife who they did a podcast with us and they were super open about the struggles of being in a relationship with a first responder and then they were like, Hey, we want to join the buddy program. And, um, so that's kind of it. You literally just scroll through, you see pictures of people and you can read their bios and then you can email that person directly. And, um, we've gotten some good feedback from that. We have some people that get coffee once every two weeks and do like their like coffee check-in is what they call it just to check on each other. Oh, so that's dope. I love it. yeah, that's, that's it. But, um, you, did you mention that you guys were thinking about doing something similar? Thinking about it, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of trying to figure out, you know, figure out what people figure out who to bring in and stuff like that. At the same time, what, like also just sharing that out, you guys' information out, you know, because I'm also like a no sense in reinventing the wheel, you know, just get them connected and stuff like that. Yeah. If it's, if it's, uh, if it's working, keep it going. Yeah. And, and, let me know if you need help with anything on that. It's actually a pretty simple process. We just have the person email us uh, a photo of them and then literally attach their bio and the subject in the email, put buddy program, 
and then Jesse adds it to the website and then uh, who knows who it could help. Someone can go on there and be struggling and be like, God, I need a firefighter that's been on for a little bit that might understand what I'm going through. And then boom, they get help. And I think uh, for the big thing um, is a lot of people, obviously there's still a stigma behind mental health. So Mm -hmm. we'll kind of do whatever it takes to avoid going through your employment assistant program or showing signs of depression, post-traumatic stress at your place of employment, because like, for example, for a police officer, like if I were to say, I'm going through a tough time and like, Hey, things are really not going well. I'm, I'm not like suicidal, like 5150, but I'm like 5149 and a half. Like they may mm-hmm. be like, okay, we're going to take your firearm from you. And then they take my firearm from me. I can't go on patrol. Correct. And then if you put me at the front desk Monday to Thursday, people are going to start seeing, well, why is Greg not in briefing? Why is he not on patrol? And then we're, they're going to start seeing some signs. So um, I, we're trying to do whatever we can. And I think you're probably on the same page with this is to, mm-hmm. to try to help the person directly to get them good up here. So then they can go back to work. Um, so that that's it. It's just, that's kind of the whole goal. Yep. Yep. That's amazing too. I, you know, we're just kind of, like I said, like uh, the COVID years through a real huge curveball. So kind of our model is, um, so I did, I was in the army. I was in that like kind of early nineties army where I went in as a, went in to be scout, but never did that job. Not ever. I drove for an officer the whole time. And it was about six months left because they didn't have anybody on the fuel truck. They sent me to the motor pool to do, you know, to do that. So like I went to Korea, but nobody was deploying anywhere. There was no major like um, desert storm started and was finished while I was in basic training. So I've never deployed in that manner. But so then my whole, like for as far as in the service world, you know, from the fire service to now as a paramedic has been like the post-military stuff. Um, so we'd started this doing our thing to try to help people. And then, like I said, COVID starts and kind of got off track. So we're just now trying to rebuild and, and set up and, and do the thing. So I was super stoked to find you guys on, on Instagram and see like, you know, it's really, it was really encouraging to see there's other people out there with the same goal and the same thing, you know, because I, you know, and, and I don't know if you feel like this way, but for a long time, it seemed like veterans, especially GWAP veterans are getting all the shine and we're really hyper-focused on what they're doing. And at the same time, like in two year time frame, we had four local, like two two EMS and two firefighters, you know, since 2018 have committed suicide in our local area and still here. I'm the only one. (laughs) We're the only ones and people still don't want to talk about it, you know? So what we do is, so I did, like I said, military EMS, all the things. Then I did Bible college and did all the training to be a chaplain. And so we have every Monday night, we have is basically like a little house church. So 
It's, and it's just for EMS people. It's just for, or just for like first responders and veterans. It's because there's a lot of times like me included, you go to our main church and it's like heavy bass drops during the worship set and flashing lights. And I'm like, man, I don't want to be in the dark with flashing lights. dude. Yep. Yep. That could be a trigger for someone. Right. So, you know, and also just, not wanting to share your story with someone you don't think's ready to hear it. And that sounds arrogant. I've been told that's the, how arrogant are you to think I'm going to go, okay, all right, let's go down that road. And I'll start telling people about like some of the gnarliest things and like, Oh, I'm like, yeah, well, mm-hmm. you know, so just our whole goal was to provide a space for people to come and just be able to be themselves talk how they want, dress how they want, you know, just be safe to say whatever they need to get off their chest, you know? So we've been successful there, but like I said, we're still kind of in its infancy. Even though it's been like since 2017, it's still just kind of figuring out how to do it, do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're still figuring out how to do the thing and everything too. We learn something new every day, but I think that's just, kind of how it is like we're always having to adapt and overcome like kind of the same thing in the military like we're seeing all these different things and challenges that we have to do and it's it's all for the the greater good for the community um what i like what you said about doing the monday nights is it's all people within the community it's it seems low-key you dress however you want to dress and like when you put people in our community where they're comfortable and they're with other people that like they know they're what they do for their work and what they've been through. And they know that like, Hey, if I talk in like some code or police or fire lingo, like they'll get it. But then you're also not being judged from an outsider. So I think you have more, more of a a higher likelihood for someone to reach out in that Monday night group because of that comfortable environment that you're right. giving them. So I, I love that idea. Absolutely love it. I wish I was closer to uh, Michigan. I would come <laughs> on a Monday night. <laughs> so yeah, speaking of that, so you're in Northern California. I think we talked about this. Yeah. So yeah. So I grew up actually in when I was little. So like in the seventies and eighties and stuff, we lived in thousand Oaks, you know, which is wild. I tell people, Cause they see the news from here about all the fires and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, my mom used to take us and we sat on one side of the E-way and watched like the Topanga Canyon fires and stuff like that. And just watch the hill burn as an afternoon event. And then I got, we got older. So my first couple of years in high school, I went to San Ramon and up in Danville. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that, that's close. Um, so we're, we're, we're kind of in the same kind of the same area so when did you move out to michigan well so at that time man my dad worked for general motors and was he was in the part of his career we just kept getting transferred so it had been like 85 or something like that we moved to uh chicago so i lived in naperville which is a suburb of chicago that's where i graduated and then they moved, he got transferred again to out by Denver. 
and I was delivering pizza and skiing all the time. And then I, oh, it just came down to, I have to do something. That's, I went into the military from there, got out of the military and from Fort Lewis. So out by Seattle was married to my first wife at that time and struggling. Cause you know, the transition is hard. I was trying to figure out being newly married, fresh out of the army, how to even get a job, you know, cause I had never really had a civilian job. Yeah. Um, so that was huge struggle. So financially we were strapped and my family is kind of have our roots here in the middle of the thumb or middle of the mitten Michigan area. And so we just moved back here and then, um, struggled to with just weird, stupid jobs until a friend, you know, was like, dude, you should join the local fire department and they're hiring. It's just on call. And then I did that. And then as a, as like a, I don't know, like a leverage, if you will, our chief wanted to start running medicals. So he was like, I need some guys to do the EMT class. And he told me, if you do this hazard, hazardous materials operation class, which is the worst, then mm-hmm. I'll pay for you to do EMT. So I was like, oh. I Hazmat is so bad that I actually was like, ah, no. Deeply considering it. <laughs> so, but I did. And then EMS, man, I just, I love the medical side so much more. You know, I love the fire side, but I love the medical side way more. And then just carried on. And then due to some politics and stuff in our local area, there's massive changes to the fire department. Um, one became two kind of with a city and township municipality doing their politics. And then just recently started doing, going to a chiropractor mm-hmm. just cause I'm older and I had heard that it works and stuff. And they did a battery of x-rays and discovered that I actually had a compression fracture at C5, which as you know, is not a good spot for a compression fracture. So yeah. Yeah. Hopefully the chiropractor helped. <laughs> Yeah, it's been great. But uh, yeah, at that point, I was like, dude, told the chief, I was like, look, I don't want to have all this weight. I don't want to wear this super heavy leather helmet and then become a problem on an incident. So medically retired from that and I serve as their chaplain and stuff. And EMS is different, man, because all power cops and auto loaders are really not lifting anything anymore. So that's us, man. Cool. Sweet. So, and I would love to be a part of that buddy program. So, if I could email you my stuff, that'd be yeah, that'd be so, dope. Uh, like I said, we're we're open to anybody coming on it. We don't even we uh, we vet the people that um, are requesting financial assistance for therapy. Um, yeah. So we have to do like a, a one to two page um, essay of who they are, how they found us, why they need financial assistance with therapy. Um, and then sometimes it gets to the point where it's like, Hey, you need to send us some of your pay stubs. And yeah, just cause it's like, it's, it's really, some people, I, as much as I hate it, some of our, our therapists are like, Hey, you, you gotta like do some research because as much as you guys love this community and want to help, some people will just be like, Oh, sick. I can get free therapy and then I can go stop. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, 
the difficult parts on that, but like for the buddy program, I mean, it's long. the people that are reaching out are the ones that just want to help and be a resource. Yeah. And we haven't said no to anybody yet. I don't really Yeah, right on. Anybody, so, um, super simple to, to get you on and, um, and then we, we can help you start yours or if you have any questions, we can, we're literally whatever you guys need. It goes for anybody else that you know, or the community, like that's how the, the collective part came up. It's like a, a collective effort to try to save yeah. one person. So we are all in for, for helping. So whatever you need, we are at your disposal. Right on. And then, so for people like on the fundraising side, so on, like on Facebook, is something. It's it is. It looks like something different. That's, you know what I mean? It looks. It doesn't say the Overwatch Collective. It's like uh, it's, there's some different vernacular there. On our on our Facebook. Yeah. Um. If you Google, if you go to Google and you type in the Overwatch Collective Facebook, it'll pop up. Um, right. And then, um, as far as the Instagram, it's just the Overwatch Collective. And then right on. Um, yeah, all of our episodes are on Spotify and I heard radio. Um, yeah. So Sick. pretty easy to find us. We're literally the overwatch collective at yahoo.com type in the overwatch collective and you'll find us. If, if anybody needs anything or has any tips, comments, concerns, questions, anything, we're all, we're open to any sort of feedback, anything that we can work on or ideas for how we can better help people. So, um, pretty cool because a lot of the time military dudes don't have a problem telling each other and be like hey that was dumb or like (laughs) idiot so uh right it's it's cool to have people be like hey try doing this instead of this or this might be a good idea for you guys to do um so yeah it's fine it's just a side gig we're obviously busy 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 people jesse's in florida now and just had a kid and just got a new job so um this is kind of turned into a full-time job at one point, but it's like second or third to our full-time job, if that kind of makes sense. But Oh yeah. No, I fully understand. Yeah. I'm sure you, you get it 100%, but yeah, just trying to do whatever we can to help. Absolutely. That's sick. So yeah, that's all I got. We can shut it down here. I'm going to turn off the recording and then hit you with a couple more questions offline. Send it. All right. Well, thank you, listeners. And thank you to Kingdom Builders and Freedom Center Church for your continued love and support. Remember, if you need help, get help. Dial or text 988. All right. See you next time.